Imagine not knowing what your income would be each week. Financial planning would be a nightmare. Almost 90% of Vision's income is free will donations. When supporters commit to monthly giving, it provides greater certainty when budgeting for regular expenses and weighing up new opportunities that arise. Knowing we can rely on regular gifts each month takes some of the guesswork out of operating a faith ministry. Monthly givers who share our mission are called Visionary Extra Mile Partners. And right now, you're invited to join this growing group of faithful supporters. The amount of your tax-deductible monthly gift is completely up to you. What is most important is knowing that you are standing with us to reach Australia for the gospel. Click the banner at vision.org.au or in the Vision app to find out more about becoming a Visionary Extra Mile Partner. It only takes a few minutes, but will have an eternal impact. Vision. Vision Christian Radio is all about connecting faith to life. From inspiring stories about the struggles we all face. To helping you understand the issues going on in the world. To clear and understandable Bible teaching. All peppered with great Christian music. The latest news. And even a few laughs along the way. You're about to experience just a small part of what we do. For the full experience, tune into a Vision Christian Radio FM or AM station near you. Listen online at visionradio.org.au or download our free app. Something of a twist when we talk about mission endeavors today. You might be thinking that sometimes missionaries appear in various mission fields around the world and where there's an underemployment or where it's a developing nation and there's quite significant poverty, oftentimes the missionary appears to be the person who arrives with a handout. Well, a different twist on missions work today as we get some insights into what's happening in the nation of Tanzania in Africa. Tanzania, if you're wondering where that is geographically, just to the south of Kenya and just to the north of Mozambique. In fact, there are about seven countries on the borders of Tanzania. John Norman has been working in Tanzania since the year 2000. He is in Australia for a rare visit, and we wanted to catch up with him because there is a different twist on the way that his mission activity operates. John Norman, welcome along to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. John, when you arrived in Tanzania... The mission work had already begun. Uh, You became the founder of Hearts for Africa. But when you arrived there, you arrived in the midst of famine. People were starving. People were dying. Uh, That's probably a a tough way to make your entrance onto the mission field. Well, it certainly seemed that way, as if this was the most unfortunate time to arrive. But in actual fact, it proved to be the best time because straight away it put us right into the heart of the needs of Thousands of people. Okay, thousands of people. And there was a work that was already established there. You brought a whole different dimension to the work that was going on there because one of the things you discovered was that people, and probably primarily women, were walking for miles and miles, hours and hours every day, carrying water. That's true. They were digging holes in the sandy riverbeds or just walking for a whole day to find some water to carry home to sustain their families. Children couldn't go to school because you couldn't go unless you had some water to take. Um, Typhoid fever was rampant because the the groundwater is all contaminated. So that's the situation we moved into. 
But uh, wonderfully, we had some uh, support, financial support, to drill deep water wells, and that was the foundation of our work, uh, providing uh, potable water for these very needy people and enabling um, life to be rescued, basically. It was a famine time, and we knew we had to do something to help. But the local village leaders said, you must not provide financial assistance or money or whatever without work. Otherwise, we'll just have lazy people. And so we began what we called the Relief Work Program, and local people organized it. We facilitated so that... um, on the piece of land they gave us to establish our centre, which was 350 acres, rather remarkable. I mean, that had not happened in that area before. There we began to develop what's called the Amani Centre. And so up to 100 people would be present every day. They would work half a day. They would get a very good meal of uh, ugali, which is translated thick porridge and beans, enough to take some home for their families. They would work for a week. And then at the end of that week, there'll be a distribution at the village center of what's called a tin of maize, plus that little money to mill it into flour. And then the next week, we'd start again with another 100-plus people and distribute some to very elderly, weak people who couldn't do any work in the village center itself. So we started off very much community-related, and it's continued that way. It's been, it was a wonderful way to begin. So the initiative to actually find deep water, uh, not just the shallow water, the initiative to find the deep water actually meant survival for these people in the time of famine. Oh, yes. And people came from long distances. About the furthest was about 30 kilometers away. They would walk. And uh, we did this for about 18 months until there'd been another limited uh, rainwater cycle, a wet season. And at the end of that time, some people came from one village called uh, Maloda, and they uh, said to me, um, John, do you know what people are saying in our village? No. He said, they're saying, God has visited us. God has visited us. Now, they got it right. (laughs) That's right. And the message that you carry when you go to a mission context like that And when you've been able to do something practical, Mm -hmm. and in this case, in the middle of a famine, bringing about the survival of people, families, of villages, uh, then you are, you're considered something of a hero. Well, it it certainly puts you right in the heart of their lives, and uh, and that's wonderful. It it was the best time to go there. If we'd arrived in a time of plenty, um, well, what would that mean? But when you arrive in a time of, 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 of great need, then at least you've got the love of God to share. And often that love is, is illustrated by water provision, by food, by, by just the general fact that you want to be part of their lives and their community. And that, that's how we operate. Uh, the Christian church has been active there for a long time, but in, in, in poverty, in poverty. When you arrive into a mission context like that, uh, famine time, you mentioned typhoid. Uh, mm-hmm. There are cause other diseases like mm. cholera and just the infections that never mm. heal. That's right. Uh, when you can provide deep water, the the change and the transformation effect in a village and for a people can be absolutely astounding. What's the difference where you've got clean water? What sort of major difference does it make to everyone's individual family and village life? Well, it means, first of all, uh, water is available locally, clean water. You're no longer spending 
hours every day on these long journeys to find water, to carry water. It means the, the, the cycle of uh, especially typhoid fever is broken. So people will only get typhoid now if they are uh, foolish, basically. Uh, and there are always some foolish people in the world, we know. But generally speaking, there is no reason they, they should suffer from that um, or cholera. Uh, it, it really transforms life. And children can get to school regularly. They'll have the water for drinking, the water to produce food. It, it really is it's, it's total transformation. And we only have to think, what if all the water in, say, Brisbane was to be turned off tomorrow and you had to walk to the Brisbane River or some creek or somewhere to get a bucket of water. Uh, <laughs> it's unfathomable, isn't well, it? Uh, it's hard to for imagine. us here in Australia, we in, just... Yeah. In the very basic things. Uh, I mean, just think of uh, we have flush toilets. You no longer have those. Life has <laughs> radically changed. I mean, what a mess. And so, as you say, the hygiene issues lead to the diseases. The diseases lead to death. That's so right. water is a key element it in is. a functioning community. It and is. it didn't just stop with the provision of that clean water because in the time that you've been there in Tanzania, since the year 2000, you've had this opportunity to help introduce new levels of education for the village. Very much so. When we arrived, we, we discovered a group of people at the St. John's Church across the river, that's a sandy riverbed, struggling to um, provide daily food for about 30 little children and often not having anything for them. So we more or less adopted that ministry and um, worked with the local committee. We, we, we try not to uh, control things but to work with people, and that's continued uh, rather wonderfully well as a uh, 130 kids in the preschool. There's about 200 on the Saturday primary program. There's now about 67 currently in support through, through secondary education. Um, that's going very well. And then we, we were encouraged to begin what they call their international school, which means an, um, an English medium school at a village about nine kilometers away. And uh, that's been going now for six years, or I should say seven years at preschool, up now through grade six, next year will be grade seven, which will be the full complement. Um, there are now 285 children there. Uh, there are, let me see, uh, 650 primary schools in the whole Dodoma region, and that's some pretty powerful schools in the city, which is over 400,000 people. Um, but we are a village-based school, the only one in our district. And lo and behold, from last year's national exams, we are now number 14 out of 650 schools in the whole area. Um, they're wonderful people. And the um, children there run to education. They, they, they really desire a good education. And education being the foundation for the transformation of entire communities. And oh, yes. I, I suspect when you talk about the biblical Christian foundation to the education, mm. it will have the same transformative effect as we might be able to look around the world and see through recent history where education makes a huge difference in communities. It really does. And where it has a Christian foundation and uh, and that whole uh, concept percolating through, then you have a, a true education. Um, you know, you can have a, an educated uh, bandit or an educated Christian. Exactly. Uh, take what, what you want there. Um, so, no, they're, they're wonderful. And, uh, and our, our central staff now 
is almost entirely composed of people whom we've assisted through education from the time we arrived. And so I can be away, and these wonderful young adult Tanzanians can operate the place faithfully. I was told when I first arrived, don't let anyone near money, you'll lose it all. I can be away, and our staff are very faithful in operation. In all the years we've been there, we have to have an annual financial audit by government decree. We've had a clean audit every year. We're talking with John Norman. John is the founder of Hearts for Africa. He's also a poverty advisor and director of the Amani Center in Tanzania. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. We're talking about a twist. It's missionary endeavor without the handout. It's missionary endeavor that says there's no free lunch, no help without work. We'll continue this conversation in just a short while. We're back talking with John Norman, who's the founder of a mission organization called Hearts for Africa. He's a poverty advisor and director of the Amani Center in Tanzania. John, we've been talking about this mission work that you've been involved in since the year 2000. Uh, Let me ask you about Tanzania at present. Uh, Surrounded by so many different nations, we're getting news headlines coming through about some unrest in various nations throughout Africa and predominantly moving towards Central and Western Africa, but how's the peace and security situation in Tanzania? Uh, Tanzania is a very peaceful nation. The people are very peaceful. It's a wonderful place in which to live. I I think Tanzania and Botswana historically are the two most peaceful nations in all of Africa. So it's it's a wonderful place to live. I'm in the center of it. If you find a city called Dodoma, if you look at the map, a fly spec south, uh, in some uh, foresty covered hills. Unlike many centers, we don't have a big security fence, uh, nothing like that. We have no fence, actually. It's a gate. It's like a signboard. But when I arrived there, the people said, uh, John, don't be worried. We are your defense. Nothing will ever touch you. There's an amazing history behind that. There was an elderly man who always had a vision. His name was Obadiah Tupra a vision that something wonderful would happen on that hillside. It was village land. And apparently different people had come and uh, said, can we have some land? And the answer was no, 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 no. And when we arrived, suddenly the answer was yes. Uh, How much do you need? What can we do? But God had a plan. God had a plan. And that's what led me to the place. It was in the year 2000. I was on sabbatical at Mavumi Mission nearby and Extraordinary things were happening. People were saying things to me which had well, forced me to pray and to think about what this was. And Very clearly I heard the Lord say, I'm planting a tree which will bear fruit. Just as clearly as that. And straight away I knew where my life was going. I was going to be involved with the Lord in planting this tree. But I'm pleased he said, I am planting a tree, not you will plant a tree. <laughs> That's right. We're walking hand in hand with his mission. That's right. And to recognize that is a tremendous fulfillment to that calling that you've had in the first place to actually go to Africa. If we come back to what we're talking about in the different twist when it comes to mission work and the idea of no free lunch, 
no help without work. It mm. leads me to think that I wonder whether sometimes in missionary endeavour to developing countries that oftentimes Western missionaries get it wrong because we have this idea that we're bringing something and we've got the handout, mm-hmm. uh, whereas mm. you've certainly gone into Tanzania with the heart of a servant that says mm. we're not here to actually uh, give you the free lunch but here to mentor in some ways that can increase your health, your education, uh, the way you raise families, and, of course, this undergirding gospel of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think we sometimes do the wrong thing by going into mission context and and with the handout? I'm sure. I'm sure that uh, has a very negative effect long term and uh, doesn't do the gospel proclamation any good at all. Uh, I think we have to... uh, Trust the local people, um, unite with them, share with them, and in, in many ways, live with them, live their life. Don't just retire to your uh, gathered compound overnight and think I've done it, but uh, actually relate well. And don't give people the impression when you go there, I'm going to do my two years and then run away. I've, I've seen people do that in the years I've been there, and that's not respected because the people know this person is just passing through. They're not really going to become part of us, part of our life. And is there a necessity then for people in a mission context to see that longevity in the missionary and in so seeing the work ethic in which you're, uh, you're actually uh, modelling for people? I, I think it's important from my perspective because people then know that you're real. <clears throat> you're prepared to become part of their life and share in many ways, many of the burdens of their life. Uh, And you're not keeping them at a distance. Uh, They're welcome. I mean, it's amazing the people who come around the Imani Center um, just to be there, just to be with you. And I suspect when you've got that longevity, it's not just one generation Mm -hmm. that has this exposure to the missionary. It's the next generation and sometimes the next generation beyond. That's right. And and the other thing that we uh, determined when we first went there is we didn't go there to start our own church. There are all, there's the local congregations, the pastors, all poor, and we could easily overpower them. I, I could have the resources to build up my own church, as it were, but it, God doesn't want me to build my own church, uh, but rather to be a blessing to these wonderful local pastors and help them and their congregations to be the best Christian communities they possibly can be. And, and people honor that. Um, I have to listen to what people say. I remember... Early in the days, I was at a distant village, and I could see on the hill nearby there was something, and I said to the local village chairman and the person I was with, who both spoke some English, what's up on the hill? Oh, that's a, a Christian mission. I said, oh, that must be wonderful. You can see the trees and the building. And I said, what do they do? Oh, they have a water well. They grow vegetables. They have some children. And I said, that's marvelous. They said, no, we don't like it. And I <laughs> why don't you like it? Because it's not part of us. So this cultural integration is such an important part of the missionary endeavor, and Mm. you can do that when you're there implanted. Uh, Some people say you've got to be planted to prosper. There is something special about that concept. Uh, Let me ask you, we talked about water. We talked about education and the schools and Mm. the quality of schooling Mm. that you're able to provide. 
Uh, you're also into uh, some uh, childhood development. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got a children's home, which is caring for children. I guess uh, you've got orphans and mm-hmm. uh, children who've been abandoned. Yes. When we first arrived there, we found in the city of the Doma a small group of young adults spending nights looking after street children in partly finished homes. And so we got to know them well and what their uh, purpose was. They're deeply dedicated. So we've worked with them. A village to the east of Dodoma has given 30 acres of land, and there we're steadily developing a children's home. It's, it's a home with a difference. As some of the children are with what we call guardian families in the city of Dodoma. This makes it affordable. It's very expensive to run a complete children's home. But if you involve the community in the care of the children, then it, it becomes uh, doable, and also it doesn't remove them from their community situation. It's interesting to see how people become homeless over there, the children. Uh, they haven't run away from home. It's been a very, very poor family on the outskirts of a city somewhere or a single mother who finally has to say to one or two of the older children, you'll have to go out in the street. I cannot care for you anymore. So you find these children on the street who normally are, are, are very pleasant un- unless adults have got them into drugs. That's the sad thing about it. But uh, most of them don't want to be on the street. And so when they can be brought into a caring home situation, it's wonderful. The children's home is steadily developing. We now have uh, 12 uh, youths and children there with, with, with a small staff, gradually trying to develop it as a, a self-sufficient community. We've got a water well and they've got water, and uh, that enables many things to happen. So developing uh, ch- um, vegetable projects. Uh, they're in the beginning of a, a large chicken project, which will be chickens for meat or chickens for eggs. Uh, they're deeply dedicated. I'm sure there are those listening to our conversation now who would like to connect with you. And uh, perhaps some of the things that we've been talking about, a different slant on the way that you do missionary endeavor. And some will be very inspired by that. And so I want to give a website. The website's armanidevelopment.org. Now, Armani is spelt A-M-A-N-I, which I understand is a Swahili word that means peace. So it's Armani, A-M-A-N-I, development.org. And there is lots of detail about what's happening with this mission endeavor there in Tanzania. John Norman is our guest, founder of Hearts for Africa and director of the Amani Centre in Tanzania. Well, John, just great getting your insights and hearing your heartbeat. And I know that you've won a number of awards over the years as well. And, uh, and congratulations for those. And uh, I'm sure they are so well deserved. John, thanks thank so you. much for being with us on 2020. Well, thank you very much, Neil. It's a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.